welcome back to the show. Uh, I'm Luke. Uh, last time we told you about Avatar The Last Airbender, and we're hoping you had a chance to go and find it. If not, stop listening and come back when you have. We're about to go full spoilers for the whole thing, so you have been warned. We have Lila, Isla, and Matty with us today, and they're going to share what they loved about Avatar The Last Airbender. Hey Lila, and welcome back to the show. What's one thing that you really loved about the show? All the people they meet along the way because they have so many different perspectives of everything. Yeah, that's really true. So there's a massive supporting cast. Does anyone stand out to you as being cool or interesting or just funny? One of the people that they arrive on an island where they don't know anything about, I'm pretty sure. And there's a whole group of warriors, and they're all females, and I find that pretty cool. So why do you think this was a real special episode? Because Sokka learns that he can't really be sexist. He kind of gets his butt kicked in that episode. Yeah, it really opened his mind. A lot of character development from Sokka. I think um, one of my favorite, well, it's kind of a chain of episodes, but the sort of bits with Iroh and Zuko when they're on the run from the Fire Nation, that really, you really got to know Iroh, who's such a cool character. Uh, He's just really funny. And I think those episodes were really cool, or those segments of episodes were really cool. I feel like Avatar's kind of, Avatar's really a show where you care about the antagonists as much as you do as the protagonists. So, like, if you take an anime like Pokemon, you don't care about Jesse and James because they've, they've kind of just got, like, when they come on, they just do sort of one thing. Um, but with um, Iroh and Zuko, they're really fleshed out and they've got a lot of character development for the both of them and they really, they're really interesting. So what do you think that would, would actually happen with Zuko? Like at the start? Yeah, yeah, when you first started watching the show. I thought he was just going to be annoying the whole way through. Yeah, I feel like I kind of did too, actually. But when we sort of started to see some, a lot of the character development, it felt like it was going somewhere and that he would be, he might even join the team, which he actually did. Yeah. Which is really cool. Well, he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he has like, he's probably has the most character development. So I feel like he also, he has so many opportunities throughout the whole thing to join the team and to redeem himself, like properly redeem himself, not in the eyes of his father. But he just makes the wrong choice every single time until season three, like late season three, where he finally joins the team. And he, he is actually a real, real addition to the team because he kind of teaches Aang five ending. Can you say a little bit more about Zuko's dad? Because that's quite a... It's a key part of understanding, like, Zuko and his his backstory and such. I personally think that he has character development, but in the bad way. He just yeah. goes down. He just goes down. <laughs> I feel like another character who did that um, was Azula, but we'll talk about her a little bit later. But let's focus let's focus in on um, his dad for just a minute. Because he, he was kind of carry on, carrying on his father's legacy, trying to take over the entire world. And he's, he's very tyrannical. And I feel like he has this, this is a really cool thing where, so in the first season, Zuko is like the big, like the main, the main villain and he is considered quite a threat to the gang. But then in like season two, you kind of see his dad, who is another villain who's even worse and, and Zuko is like afraid of him. And so it really has that effect to make Zuko's dad seem like this hugely powerful villain because this guy that we thought was the main problem is scared of the real problem. He's very awful to son. Yeah. He basically destroyed his son's face with yeah. fire. And he banished him. <laughs> not not good dad stuff. And he only got the fire because he didn't fight his dad. Yeah. 
he refused to fight him and i also feel like he has his own sort of father figure which is ira which is really good for him and if he hadn't had that i think he probably would have been as bad as his dad or azula but how about let's talk about uh azula because she has some character development too she has she has quite a cool story she is zuko's sister and she basically hangs out with her dad like I'm not really sure how to explain it that well. Yeah, she kind of she she I think she was her dad's favorite. Yeah. And I think she is for most of the show until right at the very end where Ozai crowns Azula as the Fire Lord and Azula's happy about that. And then he goes and crowns himself the Phoenix Lord or whatever it is. So completely putting her down. So it shows that her devotion to him was pretty much useless and she wasn't going to get anything out of it. And at that point, she's really, like, startled, and she's not in a good place, like, mentally. She gets whatever Zuko wants, which is not great. Like, I'm not sure if it's what she wants, too, or if she's just trying to upstage her brother. And it, it ends up kind of making this, like, contrast between the two, by the end at least. One is in a good place because cause he has taken the right path. You know, it t- took him a while, but he's taken the right path. Whereas the other is pretty much insane and, and is in a really bad place because she has just sort of like taken what her father gave to her and done what her father wanted her to do. And she's worse off, like, by a lot because she didn't realise that he was just using her for her power. So bye, Lila. Uh, thanks for coming in. That was really nice talking to you. Thank you for having me. Hi, Maddie. Uh, welcome. Good to have you on the show. Hello. So what's one thing that you like about this show that you'd like to share with us? Well, it's probably the animation style because it's pretty unique and very nice. And that's one of the reasons I don't really like the live action version because it just takes all that away and they've made a few mistakes in it. Yeah, it was really underwhelming. Uh, yeah, I feel like the animation is really cool and it captures the bending styles. What do you think about the bending styles? Well, I think they're very unique because the firebenders, the original thing was firebending was life. But over time, it became just fueled by destruction and anger. So it's like an attack. Airbending is usually defence and earthbending and waterbending are kind of like middles. Yeah, I feel like earthbending is really strong, but it can be quite hard to master, especially for Aang when he when Toph was teaching him earthbending, they had a lot of trouble because Aang was used to air and he couldn't quite get his head around the concepts of earthbending. Well, it's really because all the airbenders have trouble mastering the opposite element. Yeah. Like if you go if you watch the legend of Korra, Korra has trouble with air because it focuses on just being peaceful and Aang has trouble on earth because it's about standing your ground when he really just likes peace and he likes to run away like and because I feel like airbending has the airbenders are very fast and so they would rather just sort of run um or like be faster than the other person than stand the ground and yeah yeah so it is kind of like what you have if you've ever played any like video game with strategy because you have to work on your defense and the airbenders have worked on the defense a lot but not enough on the attack and then the firebenders did the complete opposite there were too much attack and that's what led to their downfall yeah and of course there's the missed bending of energy bending 
which is the bending style that stops Fire Lord Ozai from taking over the world because it not only strips him of his bending ability, but if you watch The Legend of Korra, it can actually give people back their ability as well. Yeah, and I f- but I feel like um, a question that I feel like a lot of Avatar fans have asked themselves and their friends, uh, what, what bending style would you like to, to have? For me personally, I would like, like, air. The reason why is because you could technically just fly, but mainly I would just like the energy bending because since you can take people's power, there might be a way that you convert it into actually being able to use it, like blood bending. They take away the power, just like energy bending. So there might be a way to convert the power you take into yourself. I think I would choose earthbending because, firstly, Toph is really cool. I feel like it's just a really cool form of bending and it's it's really powerful because, like you said, they have a lot of attack, but, also, but what you didn't talk about was the defence as well because, you know... They can like throw around like rocks and like bring up the earth and stuff, and I think I think that I would like to be an earthbender. It's quite good because, as well as bending earth, you can see in the avatar they can also bend metal and coal. Because mm. when they went to the earthbender prison, it shows the benders using bits of earth, aka the coal, to defend and attack against the Fire Nation. And if you've watched the Legend of Korra. The bad earthbender from the Red Lotus, he is trapped in a full wooden ship because all he needs is a few rocks and then he can do something called lava bending, which is when you can bend lava into shape. So it's kind of what I see as a mix between fire and earthbending. And I also see blood bending, a mix between water and airbending, because Airbending, you can manipulate the clouds, which is not as cloud bending, aka water and air, as well. And your blood is filled with air molecules, so you'll have to be extremely good at water bending, but also have a bit of skill with air bending to actually do it. Also, lava bending, um, you actually have to have uh, a fire, if you're not the avatar, you have to have a fire bending parent and uh, earth bending parent for it to work. That's why Bolin can do it, and that's why. But that's why it's so unique. So in, in a lot of the bending fight scenes, at least, or in pretty much all the fight scenes, but specifically when bending is happening, often there's like quite a lot of music. Well, not not a lot of music, but there's some music happening there, and I think it really, I think it kind of adds the moment. What do you think about that? I think it's quite cool because I've noticed fire bending. They usually have like a beat like that on drums. And with water bending, they kind water and air bending. You get like the whooshing sounds of the air, and the like little drip sounds of water coming out of their place, and then attacking. And it's kind of fun to also see how different the elements ancestrals are, because if you look at it, the water is the only one that doesn't take it from an animal because the firebenders learnt from the dragons, the earthbenders learnt from the vagimoles, and the airbenders learnt from the flying bison. And the earthbenders learnt from the moon and the tides. So so the waterbenders have quite a unique way, because they don't look through animals, they look through other things that are spiritually 
Yeah, they, they looked at they looked at while um because like while the um earth air and fire uh fire nations all looked at saw animals doing what they saw animals doing the bending and they copied them the waterbenders just looked at like nature and what they looked at they tried to mimic the ocean tides and stuff and such it makes sense because in this world the moon also affects the tides and it's actually quite cool that they keep some things relevant to the real world like they have some like stories that show why things are there and it's quite cool how king boomy is so old yet he's still alive because if he was Aang's friend, and Aang was like 12, and Boomy was the same age. That mean he would be like 111 or 112 years old. Yeah, I feel I feel like uh, King Boomy is kind of like a Yoda figure. He's kind of he's a bit weird, a bit kooky, and he's really old. Um, but he's really he's a really good part of the story. What do you think about like the animation of like what happens with the like flashbacks because there's some flashbacks that are really important and you can kind of see how they use a kind of different, they make it a little different to the usual style they go with to show you this is a flashback, not what's happening. It's like, it's like they kind of use like a filter almost to make it look, to make the watcher feel like it's, it's older. I also see whenever I see those like, a white lines around it, like it's been like a photo or it's documented and it's not happening right now. Thanks, Manny, for being on the show. You're welcome. Uh, hi, Isla. Hi. Um, welcome to the show. So what do you think you want to talk about uh, while you're on? I really want to talk about, like, the agony kai between Zuko and Azula slash kind of, like, Katara and also, like, how Aang took down Ozai, because that was, like, you know, it was the thrilling bit, like, the season finale. So, like, uh, late late season stuff? Yeah, late season three, um, and it was basically, like, unexpected for them to, like, start doing it this quick, because there was a bunch of, like, miscommunication, because they thought that they needed to attack, they were going to attack after the summer solstice, I think, that was the comet, and it, like, expanded firebending, and it made it, like, ten times more powerful. But they actually, like, attacked on the Susan's comment and, like, Aang wasn't exactly ready. And, like, Zuko was about to, like, take down Azula, who at that point was kind of, like, losing her mind, I guess. So how do you think that the different characters contributed in their different ways? Like, in the end, uh, what roles do you think they filled in the end? I think they did really good at, like, making sure each character is, like, really helpful. I really liked Toph and Sokka and Suki all on the airship because Suki's kind of underrated. She doesn't really get that much going for her. But, like, yeah, she doesn't really get much. Um, yeah, she bas- yeah, she, like, saved, basically. Like, she saved the gang. It was a very dramatic, emotional scene where, like, Toph was, like, about to fall off the blue, the airship and, like, Sokka was just, like, trying to hang on and then Suki comes and saves them all, which was great. I love Suki moments. Yeah. What about the Agni Kai between between Zuko and Azula, but then... Oh, my gosh. Well. I, I loved it. It was probably it was, my favourite bit in the whole show, just because... It was very suspenseful. It was... It yeah, was like, it, like, it kind of, like, because towards... The episode was, like, building towards, like, Azula's big mental breakdown, and then it happened, and it was, like, so, like... Yeah, it was devastating to watch. It was, like, no, like, it was really sad, because... Yeah, um, you kind of, like, throughout the show, 
most of the time. Azula. Yeah. When we first were introduced to Azula, we were like, oh, no. Um, and she had been, like, she is, like, the pure evil. Yeah. On, second to only um, Ozai himself. But then by the end, she's not a pure evil villain anymore. Yeah. She's one that you can sympathise with. Yeah, you really see how, um, like, much of a human that she actually is. And honestly, yeah. she kind of gloats about how she gets all her father's attention, but, like... She doesn't get it in a good way. She's always, like, forced to do the best that she can. And if she doesn't, she's a disappointment. And, like, um, there's just, like, a lot of stuff. And I feel like she was kind of being, like, emotionally manipulated by her father. You know, it was, like, being manipulated into thinking that he's great and the Fire Nation is great. And um, he kind of just twisted her own mind to the point where she just, like, kind of just was, like, really, really insecure. And she was, like, taking it out on her friends, May and Ty Lee. And I think she just was, like, really emotionally unstable and she was just going to crack. What do you think about uh, redemption arcs in the show? Because there are a, there are a couple, and they're always really cool to see. Yeah, I think probably the most you know the biggest redemption arc was definitely Zuko. He definitely had a it was it was a really yeah. intriguing redemption arc. And the Agony Kai kind of just showed how like powerful he truly is, and how he really like knows who he is now. Yeah, and he and by the end he was definitely he had. He'd kind of fulfilled himself. You yeah, know? and he like, he was in a better place than Azula because because he had because he had like found what actually made him happy instead of having his father's um, yeah. acceptance. And he had Iroh, and I feel like he never really appreciated Iroh until now. Until the end, yeah. Do you think he would have been redeemed as much as he had, or at all, if not for Iroh? No, he definitely would just be spent his life confused and conflicted. And probably, probably just he probably just been stepped all over by his father and Azula. Yeah, Iroh actually had like such a like amazing redemption arc. It happened off screen though, but like basically he was sort of like Ozai in the past, and then like his son died, and he sort of realized that the reality of war is not great and it's not good, and he doesn't really want this as much as he thought he did. And so for like the whole thing, he's kind of known as the tea loving kooky uncle. In reality, he's so much more than that and he's like so wise and he's definitely like 10 times more powerful than any character arguably so what about what about sort of like the backstory why the fire nation did all all the things that they did like because there's if you watch the show then you you know you know about you end up learning at the end why through flashbacks and backstory episodes and such why the Fire Nation has done what they did. And I think... Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, I feel like in the school episode when they're, like, hiding undercover in the Fire Nation and Anne goes to a Fire Nation school, you kind of see how they're, like... Um, the Basically, they the Fire Nation thinks the war is their way of expanding their greatness. And I feel like that's sort of, like, a good reason, but at the same time, it seems kind of forced. I think it's propaganda. Yeah. I, I'm just kind of confused how, like, that was the whole reason. It was, like, they were so great that they had to share it with other countries. Kind of a boring excuse. Like, I was expecting something dramatic, and, well, but it was well, just... Well, no, because I, f- I feel like that's what they teach in schools and that's what they say on the street so that pe- so that people don't, like... Like I said, it's propaganda so that people don't... Like, question qu- them? Question it. Yeah. And so people, so people are just content with it and people are fine with it. But it's the only, the the actual reason is because one person he felt that he had the chance to 
take over the entire world and he took it and his and his friend uh avatar roku yeah he told him not to multiple times and he like dueled him multiple times and he won yeah but he still did it um so i feel like that's quite a a nod to human like greed and yeah. yeah i think i think it feels kind of like kind of like the lord of the rings um it's yeah definitely i really liked how sort of in touch katara was with like her mum she was still as much as she probably denied it she was still like really grieving and like Sokka had gotten over it but like not exactly her and i feel like it seems weak compared to the other characters but like i honestly feel like that she like her mother meant so much to her and that like yeah i I think um Sokka probably wasn't because she did because Sokka didn't have as much of a connection with with his mum he had more connection with his dad and his dad you know he's still alive yeah, yeah I, f- I felt really bad for them because they, like, spent mm. their whole lives in the water tribe with, like... And, and if you see on the first episode, there's literally nobody their age and they're all, like, surrounded by old ladies and, like, and little then, like, kids and mums. Yeah. yeah, and it's, like... It- kind of reminds me of like the like you know the world war Two, world war one because there was like no men there there was just like like there was just women and just kids. women and kids and thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me this week's show was hosted by me luke recorded and edited by sophie and brooke our guests were massey lila and isla and Thanks always to, to CJ and Ardo Intermediate for supporting the show. Uh, you can follow our Raro Radio at Apple Podcasts and Spotify or on our website, raropodcast.com. And the music was made by L- Nicholas Alstrom. And here's uh, some quick picks from everyone else. Lila? My recommendation is Dragon Prince. It has the same, around the same animation style and has an increasingly good story. Isla? My quick pick is um, the Percy Jackson series because it's it's sort of quite different to Avatar, but it's got the same sort of like power and they've got magical powers and they're adventurous and it's got a lot to do with like Greek mythology. And Matty? My quick pick will be to go watch Channel Frederator. They're a channel on YouTube that shows you like the timelines of many shows. Sophie? Uh, my quick pick is Amphibia. It's a Disney show and it's... It's a coming-of-age story, kind of. I, I think it is. And it's also got, like, redemption arcs in it as well. Brooke? Uh, my quick pick is Narnia. It's got three movies and seven books. You should totally check it out. And CJ? I recommend the Japanese board game Takaido. It's about going on a journey from Kyushu to Tokyo, um, and it's beautifully illustrated like The Last Airbender is. And my quick pick would be the album Trench by 21 Pilots. It's not really connected to The Last Airbender at all. It's just really good. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.